Failure is probably one of the aspects of life most people are afraid of. But the truth is, everyone has failed and everyone will fail again. Here to help us redefine our outlook on failure, we have Arvind S. Raj from the 2012 to 2016 batch. He has worked as a student researcher at BUSEC and an assistant professor at Amrita Vishwa Vidyapita. Today, he is a researcher at the Laboratory of Security Engineering for Future Computing, CEFCOM, at Arizona State University and is working towards his PhD. He is passionate about binary analysis and reverse engineering and participates in security CTS with Shellfish. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss a variety of topics, ranging from cybersecurity to traveling. Tune in to find out more about the early days of the club, fun moments, the importance of tasting failure, and much, much more. So hello, everyone. Welcome to the Amphos podcast, Arvindetta. I'm glad you're here. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me here. I'm pretty excited to be chatting with everybody. How are you guys doing? We're doing we're doing fine in this pandemic. I think we're trying to cope up with everything. How about you, Pravindra? Uh, well, college has been very hectic. You know, yeah. assignments, quizzes, the usual, but I'm getting used to it. I mean, I think this is all I know about college so far. It's just been, it's kind of routine now at this point. So, yeah. I mean, it's been yeah. a year, so you should be kind of used to it by now. Yeah, I started oh, yeah. with this. <laughs> exactly. How is it in Arizona? How is your PhD going? Uh, so we have actually started opening up here. I don't know if you know. So many places So uh, starting from this semester, classes are all mostly in person, I want to say. Uh, I think I think they left the choice to whoever is teaching. So if they want to go kind of combined online in person that's up to them to decide so but mostly things are opening up here oh that's great i think um maybe we may have a little chance in november for our college mm-hmm. so we're just keeping our fingers crossed for official yet i am kind of optimistic it would start opening up there next semester but We'll see. Yeah. yeah. All we can do is hope. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So how is your, like, how is your PhD studies oh, yeah. going? Sorry, I, I missed that. Yeah. Huh? Uh, no, so I am right now in two years. No, I'm closing, finishing three years of my PhD here. Uh, oh, it's really? going. That's all I can say. As, because unlike, unlike, you know, other degrees, uh, PhD does not have a kind of fixed endpoint, I want to say. Like, at least in an undergrad, you can say four years, you take this many classes and you're done. Uh, a PhD is more like, okay, you do good work and then you're done. So there's no frame of reference to say, I'm almost there. But I can definitely say I'm not almost there. I'm still... There are some minimum requirements that we need to uh, satisfy. I'm definitely not anywhere near that. So it's not going to get over any time now. Uh, as for how it's going, it's going. <laughs> That's all I can really say. It's at least going. That much I can say it's not stagnating. That's the way it works with a PhD, unlike an undergrad degree or a master's degree. Right. So, I mean, has there been any um, <clears throat> anything different um, in the online mode with your, <clears throat> with your PhD studies, per se? 
Oh, so uh, not so much. I mean, I had say some classes, and those classes obviously were online. Uh, but those classes are just like any regular classes that even you probably have. There are lectures, assignments, exams. That's that. That's mostly the same. Uh, a good thing about PhD, which may also be a bad thing in many ways, is that it's mostly individual work. As in, you are kind of. I mean, you do work, collaborate with other people. But majority of the weightlifting is done by you. That means you know you're sitting in front of a computer in a room somewhere, or sitting in a lab and working somewhere. It tends to be the same, I want to say. Uh, but of course, they're all computer science people, so all we really need is one computer, a good internet <laughs> connection, and yeah, we can just work even if it's in the middle of the forest. So, uh, so not so much, but. It does make it a little difficult when you have to meet and talk to other people and discuss things. But just like mm-hmm. you, we just adapt yeah. and keep figuring our way around. With mm-hmm. that, I mean, that is something I've always picked up from Force Club. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. just adapt to circumstances. Try to be kind of flexible. Because otherwise, you know, they're going to be like, okay, I just want to go one track and this is how it has to be. And then... COVID happens, everything just goes for a toss. You either adapt or, yeah, you will eventually have to adapt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, like, does it ever get frustrating? You said PhD doesn't have, like, a fixed time frame. So, like, does that, like, not knowing when it's going to end, does that get frustrating? Not quite, at least not for me. I, I know that there are people who sometimes find it that way and they... I, I know that PhD has a reasonably high, okay, well, not reasonably high, but it has a pretty good attrition rate compared to maybe undergrad degrees. Most people who start a PhD will definitely reach, sorry, most people who start an undergrad will definitely reach the end. But that may not necessarily be the case with many people. I know that some people in, I think some people I know here did eventually also drop out of PhD for various reasons. So, yeah, the dropout rate is there, but I don't think that's a big deal for me because I was kind of clear why I am here for the PhD, why I'm actually here, why I'm actually doing. Mm-hmm. That objective, that goal kind of keeps you going. Yeah. Right? Ultimately, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a person like, okay, we have at least started this. We are maybe halfway there, I want to say. Yeah. Might as well just go the rest of the distance rather than just abandon it in the middle, you know. Yeah, but, but really, yeah. it's just that the goal I have on understanding of the purpose of why we started that kind of keeps me going. That's actually a great point, and any like a great um, point to just like keep in mind whenever you're pursuing anything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like to have a definite goal and definite purpose because that's what keeps you going. That's a great, it's yeah, a great aspect. Because otherwise, you're just like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's happening. I'm just here sitting in the lab, just doing something. You're just going directionless. That's not good. But at the same time, if your goal is, uh, I want to say, too um, unrealistic in some ways, that that is also, you need to have a reasonable goal. You can't be like, okay, I just need to set any goal and that's going to happen. 
that that's not necessarily true like you can you can have an inspiring goal like oh i want to play for the uh, indian national cricket team right it's a worthy goal to have but that goal is a kind of a lofty goal to reach right not many people make it so it's important to be kind of realistic also where you are what you can do what what is realistic for you i think that is important to be like it's not that you know you, you can have the goal of working for i'm um, playing for the international cricket team there's nothing wrong in that right but it's just that maybe for some people it's not a realistic goal you kind of need to be realistic with what expectations you can have and then work towards it okay yeah. that's the way i, I see think, it like this never give up mentality is pushed a lot but i think there's also value in being able to recognize like okay now it's time to call it quits and like move on right and, it's, it's and that's not wrong you know that's what yeah. a lot of people sometimes have trouble accepting i think i i i don't know i may not be an expert in it but i think a lot of people have trouble accepting that okay this is probably not going to work i should probably go look at something else it's important to mm-hmm. know when you're done this is not going to happen yeah but it's also important to know that you should not quit too early that is going to also mess things up let's at find yeah. balance somewhere in the middle which i have no idea how you find i don't know if anybody knows how to find but i'm hoping somebody knows <laughs> not me when <laughs> it, it just happens you know i don't think that's something that you need to be too just take it as it comes figure it out mm-hmm. that way i guess yeah okay. Eta, i have a question for you so you mm-hmm. are 2012 batch i believe yeah 2008 to 2012 yeah so that was a really long time back so obviously the club has changed a lot since then so like could you give us some insight into how the club was like back in your time okay uh so obviously one very big difference compared to now and back then would be just the sheer number of people that were there uh i think now the club probably gets well i think fast club alone gets maybe like 20 people ish every year i want to say maybe yes. more uh back when i was there i think both the fast club and bios i was originally kind of in both sort of scenario i think both put together probably had only like 20 people i might be a little bit of a stretch yeah it was it was it was like 1/5 or 1/6 of the number that is there in the club in total right now today it was pretty small right mm-hmm. so obviously that small thing it has its own benefits it has its own drawbacks that that's that's it's just the way we started off i joined probably in like the very early days uh, not immediately after the club was founded but maybe like a year or a year and a half after the club was founded so the club originally started off with uh, the sun call for freedom contest which i'm sure most people already know about uh, so that eventually led to the formation of the fast club and so it was very small uh, and like today you have an entire computer okay of course we haven't been there but today most of the work happens in one of the large computer labs on campus uh, we had like uh, a small corridor maybe like 10 or 15 meters long and maybe like five six meters wide you had like five desks or six desks in there and some makeshift desks set up just to get things working uh yeah it was it was pretty small it was pretty 
compact i want to say to be a little bit more positive but it was pretty <laughs> yeah it was pretty it was pretty tight tightly packed i want to say right uh we also didn't have a lot of facilities like what is there on campus today uh we didn't have that working space was obviously not our own like not dedicated for the lab it was like we had temporarily conquered it when there was this possibility of being thrown out at any point of time that did actually happen after a few years because uh they hired more people to work as employees and they needed a dedicated space so that meant anybody who's not an employee gets kicked down the list in the priority order so we eventually did get kicked out of their place and then we had to like scavenge around for a classroom that was open and just set up in there and just continue working which is even more difficult because i don't know if you haven't seen the classroom so the classrooms are constructed in a very let's say not a very ideal manner in some ways uh they have very min- limited uh power sockets or at least back then that was the case i don't know if it is still the case and the power socket is never close to where the fan is so you can imagine how difficult it is when it is summer you either have a choice between the fan or the power socket and you have to like shuttle wow. between them when you are in that heat yeah it was it was fun that it was a nice experience for us you know coming through all that struggles and stuff but i wouldn't say that that's something that anybody else should ever go through and be kind of made sure that doesn't happen again by trying to push for more dedicated space and that did eventually happen in like one or two years time after i graduated i see so like in your time uh, amphos wasn't really big like mm-hmm. you mentioned right so what really drew you to the club what was um the incentive what did you really hear about the club that made you feel like oh i really want to join this hmm. so i i unlike today when we have like dedicated programs where we talk to the first years who come and say hey, look we have this club we do all these things it's a very nice place to be if you want to join us please come us there was no recruiting that was happening at that time and i was asking well at least for me that's not how i came to into the club there was no recruiting when i was joining but after i joined we made sure that next year we actually go talk to people so that was i, I kind of started the but at least i was there when the whole recruiting process started so the way i met um the way i entered fast club was well as a very nice story um so i was uh, in my first semester somewhere midway through it and uh, i had this uh, person who was teaching the uh, electrical and electronics lab i don't know if you have that course till now i'm not familiar do you still have it for the Yeah, yeah in some do. one some semester we had that course yeah like okay, it would be done if yeah. you had it it would have been yeah. the first year so there was this person who was teaching the lab component of that for us um his name is uh, akshay akshay nagarajan is a good friend of mine uh so he was teaching that when i was actually uh in his class so uh i you of course you haven't been to campus so on campus we have these big notice boards scattered around where they post um flyers of contests that other institutions or other companies are organizing uh, where college students can participate so i used to just keep reading these notice boards i was just curious what is going on i was just exploring i i had some exposure to computer science i was just like okay we should probably do some stuff like this it sounds fun so one day i was looking at this notice board and there was this competition i some contest by hp i think i had no idea what it was and the flyer made no sense to me So then I saw him I just saw Akshay ji walk by so I asked him do you know what this is right 
and he said okay i don't really know what this is but i think it's time we go meet somebody uh, i'm going to introduce you to uh, a person who works in uh, arl it's vipin sir uh, i i had no idea who that was at that time so i said okay come on let's go meet him so he just drags me along we're going down from the ground floor up to the uh, arl office which is somewhere on the second or the third floor uh, interestingly uh, on the way i saw another friend of mine uh, from my class you probably know him uh, rahul krishnan uh, so yeah, yeah. i saw him walking down on the he was going down the other way when we were walking this way so i asked him hey we are going to meet this person the doctor was not just do you want to come and he said okay yeah i'll also come so the two of us went oh, and i literally okay. just saw him on the way i asked him and we just you know both of us just went there mm-hmm. and we met vipin sir um, and uh, i think he asked us a lot of questions of what we are interested in what we like to do um, why are we here what are we studying and uh, why did you take computer science <clears throat> uh, kind of a typical question that he used to ask for any new person that he meets to get an idea of what they do i think we sat there talking to him i think suppose you only like 15 minutes i think that we one five 15 minutes that we actually talked to him i think it ended up going for more than an hour we were just sitting there talking about various things he was telling us about uh, the code for freedom the, the ctf team yeah and then he said okay you know just give this i told him i was kind of interested in security and he said okay sounds good why don't you we have this team here they participate in these competitions and then some of those uh, members were there actually at that time so he said why don't you come by and give this a shot and we'll see how it goes so there was no plan i i didn't even know something like force club existed when i joined campus uh, it was just this very chance meeting that happened and things just happened from there that's it Nice. That's an interesting. It's funny that you mentioned Rahul Aitken. He was our first guest yeah. on the podcast. Ah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a good friend of mine. We were in the same batch as you, Pop, you know. And also you mentioned that uh you didn't know about the Foss Club, but like now a lot of people actually join the college just to be a part of the Foss the Club. club. So mm-hmm. I think that's a testament to like how much Amphos has grown over the years. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I think it's just I think it, I if you'd ask me like I don't know 10 years ago you would come and told me that you know people are going to come join the Amartapuri campus just to join the Foss club I probably would have said yeah sure okay we will see when it happens I would have been very skeptical about it but I'm I'm amazed that it has reached this far and it's become this good really. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that during your time there you would have made a lot of amazing memories. So could you share like your favorite memory of the club with us? Oh man, favorite memory of the club. Okay, let me see. Uh there probably some like I can remember of let let's see maybe so uh oh yeah so it's now that now so that's, that's very nice thing. So uh one year uh, I think I think it was probably my final year uh, we were all just some of the first members were on campus we, we didn't go home while most of the other friends of ours they all went back home because it's a nice 3 to 4 day long vacation so most people just go home so we were all there on campus and you know that on uh, the navami day slash ashtami night slash navami day we don't really do any studying and stuff it's puja and things like that right so we didn't go to the lab and then suddenly i think someone had this idea i don't know who had this idea uh, we decided hey why don't we do a puja in the lab like on the 10th day and it's like oh, okay. you know some people found it uh, 
what in the lab really but i think finally i think everybody got convinced and we actually did we we, we did everything we had the uh, sandalwood the uh, the sandalwood paste the that kumkum everything we put it on all our computers that we use uh, we did a small puja in the lab we even made prasad uh, i think it was uh, i think it was aval we probably know it as poha it's yeah the rice flakes yeah yeah so we made some prasad out of that with some bananas aval uh, poha and uh, i think some more fruits that we made we just quickly came up with our own thing uh yeah it's, you know it's just spontaneously happened but that was that was quite fun uh i think also only time it ever happened because that was the lab where we could do all of that stuff after that we moved to the actual computer labs we had some restrictions on what we can actually do in those labs so i think that never happened after that uh i used to play a lot of uh, ctf so ctfs are um, security capture the flag competitions for anybody who's listening who doesn't know uh so we used to play a lot of these competitions um and most of these contests so this is a completely different episode the other one is done in case it wasn't clear uh so these competitions usually happen at night because they are usually run by teams that are either based in us or based in europe so it would start at like 8 8 8:30 maybe even 9 in the night and it would go on till maybe like 3 am sometimes maybe 4 or 5 am so on all these times these contests happened uh, we used to be on campus because we didn't have so at that time we didn't have internet in the hostel so the only way that we could actually participate in this was actually to stay back on campus so we used to be there overnight on campus usually playing these things mm-hmm. so especially on the days when it gets over at like 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning we would have nothing else to do right so uh we'd be walking around campus because we're bored and we have to try not to fall asleep or at least something so some of us we used to crash inside the lab we had some space or whoever we took turns to sleep and stuff and we'd be walking around on campus at night it's pitch dark it's nobody on campus except maybe the security guard mm-hmm. sometimes you know it used to be early in the morning like 4 o'clock 5 o'clock uh, <clears throat> some of some people would be hungry so we just all go walk out eat something in one of the restaurants that was nearby and then come back us this happened quite regularly like i don't know once every month once every six weeks uh, that was fun but it was also not fun just because we were staying back on campus and nobody was there it's like we were actually you know doing things that well most people i mean we hadn't learned any of this on in the class we used to like figure it out on the fly like they give us one thing task to do we'd sit and learn Like I remember one time I was sitting and they gave some challenge that was that had something to do with Haskell. It was a programming language. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very not so good programming language. It's very difficult to comprehend because it has a lot of uh, interesting computer science concepts that are built into. It actually makes development much easier, but it's a little. It requires a little shift in thinking. So mm-hmm. I was I spent the entire night just. learning whatever i can about some concept in haskell that i had never heard of it was yeah i i didn't get much i didn't make any progress of it but you know those kind of kind of like learn swimming by diving into the deep end kind of approach that we eventually had to resort to that was fun in its own way i want to say that's nice like that's a great memory to have i think those night i really 
to be very honest i'm quite jealous of the night the walks that you have at night i mean a lot of seniors even uh, in the club have mentioned that to be like this really great aspect of um their time in college so like just spontaneous walks with you know and everyone in the club and just talk about what they've done that day yeah that's, that's, that was actually incidentally out of that was actually something that uh we enjoyed doing a lot so because we used to be in the lab together and uh, of course uh, right now for anybody who has been on campus you know that the mess halls are close to the hostels right uh, right now when back when we were studying the mess hall was very close to the campus itself actually so everybody used to come there so we used to be on campus everybody used to you know everybody who was there in the lab we would all go together for dinner and things like that so You know, naturally, we had that time of you know walking to dinner, coming back from dinner. We used to chat a lot. It was always these kind of things that, I mean, and working in the lab was of course a lot of fun. But it's always also these nice small conversations that we used to have about various things. Uh, that really also was a big deal when a big factor in us just sticking around and continuing that because being motivated and just continuously working. can be pretty difficult yeah maybe you probably also know especially <laughs> in this online force i think it's a little bit more challenging than usual mm-hmm. yeah, yeah trying I to think, get together yeah. you know through meetings pavitra and i like since we're the first online batch anything that we need to schedule anything we need to talk about we need to schedule meetings yeah so. i know yeah, yeah. we can't just like spontaneously walk up to a person and strike a conversation <laughs> everything is very planned now which has yeah. its pros and cons but yeah to work with it i mean there are other ways also you can have so like some of the things that we do here so not everybody here comes to the lab so some people are still working remote so one thing that we kind of do is we have this virtual lounge area kind of thing it's basically just a voice channel So anybody who's just working now, you just be there, just connected to the voice channel. And when somebody's just bored, you just start talking, and then someone turns on the stream, and then you start chatting even more. It's an approximate simulation. It's still not the same as just sitting in the same room and just walk across and start talking. Yeah, yeah. We actually have Discord servers now with voice channels, which are open to all of us. But still, we kind of like. A lot yeah. of people use it that regularly, so yeah. we still schedule exactly. Meetings. There is a like I feel a slight hesitation just start. I think once it's in the you know once we start talking, it's fine. But like just initially for everyone to just start the conversation on the voice channel, I think yeah. that's yeah. a bit of a challenge. I've seen. I mean, starting troubles are there for almost anything that you can think of. It's yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just a matter of. doing it i guess mm absolutely and um eta you are also mentioning about like learning things on the fly during like hackathons and stuff mm-hmm. i think even now like that's one of the things that like amphos has taught like it's one of the key things that we're taught like learning how to learn and like making use of the resources be it like books or our mentors or seniors and even the internet i think that's very valuable mm-hmm. like Yeah, I think that was one of the uh, main things that we realized very early on in the club. It was one of the things that Bikanser really emphasized on. Uh, I mean, I mean, 
all the other seniors also because they also were working with him initially. So he said technology kind of keeps evolving every year. I have seen generational shifts in like the past 10 or 15 years when some new thing comes up. It's like the big in thing at that time. Everybody is rushing towards it. And then it just kind of plateaus after a while. And then it just like a big sharp decline and it suddenly just goes. Then suddenly nobody's talking about it. And then it starts slowly, starts rising again. And then another new thing comes up. Like when I started, I think a few years in, uh, Android was like a very big deal. Uh, IoT eventually also became a very big deal. Now everybody does Android apps. It's fairly common, right? So I think the thing is that trends keep coming, technology keeps coming, technology keeps going. Uh, what is really useful is being able to adapt in these circumstances when something new comes up you just take it figure out how to understand figure out how to learn and then find your way around i think that is a skill which is going to be useful no matter what just being able to do the same thing dive into the deep end figure out how to start floating i think that's a very useful skill to have regardless of what you're actually interested in. It applies even to anything other than computer science, I would say. Right. So uh, are there any techniques that you have followed to quickly adapt to this uh, changing um, world that we live in? Oh, okay. Well, I don't think there is any standard formula as such, Mm -hmm. I want to say. uh, Because... The, the, the key reasoning is something like this. Uh, if one reason why it's very challenging is because how do you know how to prepare for some scenario that's going to happen in future when you don't even know what's going to happen? Right? Yeah, you have absolutely right. no idea how things... I mean, if you know something, if you know this is going to be a problem in future, you can obviously plan for it, prepare for it, get ready, do all the spade work and be ready when it's going to happen. But when, what if you don't know it's going to happen? You don't yeah. even know what is going to happen, let alone when it's going to happen, right? So the idea is you slow, and there is no standard way because you don't even know what is going to happen. Then how do you prepare yourself to adapt to something when you don't even know how things are going to play out? One way, and this is something that I at least used to do in FOSS Club, I think many people still do in FOSS Club, is to start taking small risks slash chances to go out of your comfort zone and learn something that you don't know. Like for me, when Mm -hmm. I came to campus in 2008, uh, the only operating system that I had ever used was Windows. That's that's all I was ever familiar with. Uh, all campus computers had both Windows and Linux, which I thought, okay, I know this. Windows is there. We can still make do with everything. Until I realized that, you know, half the classes, they don't teach on Windows. They only teach on Linux. Right? So mm-hmm. I had no okay. choice at that point of time. I had to learn Linux. Right? So at that point, I said, okay, you know, let's give this a shot. I just started diving in. So it, that taking that small step made me a little confident that okay, you know, this is not too bad. I can, you know, search online and figure something out, or I can. I found out that Linux had uh, its own documentation. It's called the man pages for anybody who doesn't know. You read the man page and you start figuring things out because that's like very detailed documentation on everything about one specific program. 
all information you need is in there so really the only way i think is you start pushing yourself out of that established comfort zone that you have and be comfortable doing things then you have no idea what is going on because really i think the problem is in that i think most people are somewhat skilled and they can figure out things what is happening and so forth the problem is that the mental uh, i don't know uh, strength or something of that sort to just dive into something that you have absolutely no idea of and start figuring mm-hmm. out i think that is an aspect which is more important than most things as long as you don't have any inhibitions in you and like mm-hmm. oh no no this is too scary i have no idea what this is how can i start doing something when i have absolutely no idea what this is you know that 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 tendency tends to hold you back a lot so being able to break that barrier with things that are very simple to do which you know are not very difficult to do sort of makes you more ready to do other things it's like when you are you know, when you want to lift a heavy load right one fine day they ask you to lift a lot of load it's not going to be easy but if you're slowly training up your muscle to be able to bear that load then when it actually happens it's not very difficult to do i think that that's kind of how i ended up doing in force club when i reflect on how things were i think that's a good way to work maybe somebody knows a better way but i think this mm-hmm. is something that still would work in most cases yeah that's a great perspective on how to approach a problem i uh, that's i i mean i think i could relate a lot to what you were saying especially when something looks so intimidating um i think the field that we're in is changing so fast everything tends to look intimidating anyway <laughs> so i think that's a great aspect that's a great point to keep in mind like do small steps and then eventually make your way to actually solving it isn't it exactly you know it's like if you like when you when we were all small or if you have seen babies right uh they all take small steps at a time and they kind of find their way around uh sometimes they fail sometimes they fall right but they don't they are not somehow negatively affected by it they are still oh, yeah. kind of keep going like oh yeah you know i fell down uh and you just keep going you should notice and at least i have noticed babies usually start crying when you start making signs that something actually is yeah. wrong right exactly. if you give them the idea that you know nothing is wrong everything is fine they're just like let's go <laughs> right that is this kind of same thing right. you just dust off your sleeves and you start going it's it's a man i think it's a more of a i think there is at least a mental aspect to it even if that's not the only thing yeah i think it's a set kind of the societal um uh sort of pressure to do good you can't really you know they don't it's not failure is not embraced as much as success obviously uh, um, and i think that that's thing? sort of yeah sorry go on yeah no i i, I uh, think that that's actually a very good point uh because i think somehow we all everything if you probably look at at least when i started the uh, college it was all about you know success and i uh, like most people if you see who come out of high school and start joining university they probably had decent scores in most subjects that they had um they did pretty well in all their exams if it kind of fell in their entrance exams probably got the seat that they wanted they probably never tasted 
lot of failure in life. I don't think it's a societal pressure. I think it's just the way it is. You somehow have some kind of an aversion to failure. It's like, no, no, no. You can't, you can't fail. You can't take risks and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. The thing is, on, at least life kind of works that way. There is no certainty to how things were. Anything can happen at any point of time. COVID is like a really good example. It's just circumstances are just beyond your control what can happen. And I think when you've just tasted a lot of success in life and suddenly you hit upon a failure, you just crack at that. You, know, you just don't know how to handle it. You just crack and that's like, that's it. And then, you know, it's unfortunate how today that um, these aspects of life and being prepared for it, being able to handle it, they're not, not it doesn't get as much attention. So that's also a very nice thing that you can kind of pick up from having been in post club I feel at least I yeah, feel to some extent even if not a lot yeah I think it's definitely very helpful having this like judgment-free zone like Amphos yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah and like even we have things like I mean this isn't the best representation but like we have things like force talks and like debates mm-hmm. where like we're expected to speak on the spot and like a lot of people aren't comfortable with public speaking, especially impromptu. So like putting yourself out there and like being able to express your views and like not really knowing how that's going to go. It's like risk taking and seeing that like, even if you mess up, it's all right. You have a chance yeah. to try again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Fast Club is actually a very nice sandbox in many ways. You know, you can just experiment around and figure tight new things out, type a lot of things. And you just make your way up from there. I think that that was one of the visions that at least we used to have. I'm, I'm yeah. guessing that still hasn't changed by what you mm-hmm. said. And even like learning from other people's failures, like we have mentor mentee system now, like, so we have student mentors, so we can kind of like see, okay, they did this and like they had this journey and they experienced this failure. So we can learn from that, which is definitely helpful. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that was kind of, eventually what we arrived at at some point of time like because we went through a lot of things a trial and error and uh we, we figured out okay this is probably going to work this is probably not going to work this is the way to do this is the way not to do and that kind of generationally got handed down which is if you look at how the real world works that's also how most of it works right? we have a lot of generation knowledge that we learned from people who were there before us. Uh, science works that way. Uh, you build upon what other people have done instead of just going back and reinventing everything again. You kind of use that knowledge and then continue building up from there. That, that That's that's how it should be. Right? Because if you're going to make the same mistakes and then five years later, the people who are coming in, they're making the same mistakes again. That's that's not good. Mm-hmm. But one problem, however, that happens in this, and it may happen, is that sometimes you, other people may not do something, and then you get kind of just stick to the same thing and not do anything outside of that. You know, you like there is an established path, and you sort of going down that path that is often walked by many people because you know that leads to success. Uh, when as opposed to trying something that you, you know, breaking from the mainstream, I want to say, just not following something that anybody has already done. That is also important. So you kind of need a balance between both. Can't be like, oh, you know, my mentors told me this is how it is. It's 
they are not like gospel truth or anything right you learn from them but at the same time you also have to kind of think for yourself i want to say and not necessarily be like oh they are 100% correct all the time maybe early on when you start that is probably true but as you keep progressing maybe you should start exploring things on your own because if you are going to come into fast club and do the same thing what everybody else has done i think that kind of defeats the purpose of yeah. being prepared to adapt to failures and things like that so um eta in your time at amphos i believe you did cyber security mhm mm-hmm. so not exactly i kind of actually did both in some ways so i was actually there in amphos uh recruiting uh mentoring people for uh contributing to open source projects contributing to gsoc i actually had most of my beginnings were like that in fast club i was mostly only playing those competitions the security competitions that happen when they do but a lot of my work was actually in the fast club most of my second third year i want to say even a good part of fourth year was spent primarily doing fast club activities so i used to be mentoring recruiting we used to run the whole club it's kind of the day to day running mm-hmm. of the club so what really inspired you to get into cyber security or uh, why did you um, decide on pursuing cyber security or security altogether so there i want to say there was no like moment when you know it dawned on me that okay you know cyber security is probably the thing that i want to do uh so i was kind of into computers from school when i was introduced to them i my first computer was actually what i had in school uh, i don't even remember what that program was it was a very simple uh drawing program you know you just give uh, you type instructions like move 30 centimeters mm-hmm. and then yeah. draw on the screen and then turn 45 degrees and then turn and then keep drawing like that i was saying the first thing that i actually did in high school not even high school i think maybe like i don't know 600 i want to say it was really long ago Uh, that was like windows 95 i think maybe even inside it windows 98 maybe i don't know i think it was 95 that was it was really really long ago so that and then i kind of was hooked on the computers from there i never really had access to a lot of computers until maybe like 7 8 years after that is when i actually got my first computer when i started high school uh, i really liked computers you know programming was something that was a lot of it seemed like you know i could make the computer do most things if i know how to make it do things so that was something that i really liked about computers i was kind of hooked onto it and i think when i got my computer i started exploring you know what else is there in this computer thing you know this programming okay that's great what else is there and i think i chanced upon some i i don't remember exactly what it was i it was some website that talked about computer security and it had a bunch of material that was freely available so i said you know this looks interesting so i just started downloading and started reading it so i was reading about things like what is a computer network what is a port you know what is a protocol i have absolutely no idea what any of these things were i was just reading 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 and then i just came, and then i ended up on campus uh, i still had no idea how or what i could do with any of these things and then i met vipin sir and then he says you know we have this security team here that take parts in this competition and i was like okay that is pretty cool let's let's see what that is and then i i took part in some of those that was a lot of fun you know i think what i really liked was that 
I had absolutely no idea what any of these things were. And I was just blown away. You know, it's like, I was just reading that specific material and going and saying, and I thought that was just everything. And suddenly, you know, I see this whole security thing and the boundary just suddenly blew so far away. I was just like, whoa, there's so many cool, exciting things. So then I just started doing that. And then sometime through, after that, I kind of became more involved in Fast Club, doing less of the security stuff until like final year. When... So I said, okay, you know, you're from the club and now there are other people who are doing it. So why don't you try running this uh, contest called in CTF, which was the CTF, which is a CTF competition that our university runs for university students, right? So uh, he said, why don't you just try running that? I had no idea. I had taken part in a few CTFs. I had not much of an idea. So he said, you know, just... Give it a shot, see if you can run it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I have run the club and that happened to be okay. So let's just give this a shot as well. And I just kind of stuck to security after that, really. I like the CTF, I like running it. And then I did my master's in that. And then I've been doing security stuff ever since. It kind of just happened. There was no, you know, I was I was not in search for it. Or I was, I had some idea about it, but I was not in search for like, Oh, yes, this is what I really want to do. I was just like, let's keep exploring. I still I still think of myself as, you know, my primary work is still security. Most of, like my research kind of deals with security, but most of the techniques that I'm using actually come from software engineering. It is not a security technique itself. I kind of like to view myself as a more systems person, a computer systems kind of person, as mm-hmm. opposed to a computer security kind of person. I still, I'm, person who's just motivated by interesting problems and interesting things that you can do uh, although i may not know how to do any of them like one thing that i really like which um, something that microsoft research did in india they built a system uh, which can take a picture of a plant like some disease affected area of the plant and use machine learning to identify what disease it might be you know so that kind of gives an alerting to the farmers like oh look this plant is affected by this disease and then they know what corrective action to take yeah that, that's cool that's pretty cool i like it uh, I, I have no idea how to do any of that I, I have absolutely no idea of what machine learning is but i think that's a pretty cool idea i'm more of a person who's like oh this is really cool this is fascinating to do and i do it it's just that security also allows me to do security in many fields like i can do security of machine learning i can do security of phones i can do security of computer systems uh, so i'm not tied down to security as such it's just that i happen to be doing most of my work in security right now at least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, i believe you're currently pursuing your phd in computer science right mm-hmm. yes so you've obviously come a long way so is there something that you had you wish that you had known before you started off on this journey Maybe like uh, advice to the younger self sort of thing. I kind of like what I did in the first club. I have no, I, I think most of the things that I did were kind of fine because mm-hmm. at that time, this is the only insight that I had. That's just all I knew because I had taken very binding career paths. It is not a straight path. Most people who come for a PhD usually come right after undergrad. They just go straight into PhD. Yeah. I took a gap year in the middle and then did my master's for a few years and then took more gap in the middle and then started my PhD. So it's a kind of went all around the map there and mm-hmm. I found eventually, okay, I really do want to do the PhD. So 
I don't really, I think the journey so far, I think I'm fairly happy with the way things turned out because based on how much I knew at that point of time, this is the best that I could do, I think. Mm-hmm. So I probably wouldn't have done anything differently. Maybe I would have tried to be convinced earlier itself that I wanted to do a PhD so that I could probably be done by now and moving on. But I still think it was the journey itself that brought me to where I am here. So that way, I think, yeah, it just, I'm kind of happy with the way things turned out. But there are probably a few things that I wish I could have done, I want to say. Maybe something that at least, you know, current people could think of doing, I want to say. So one thing that I never really did in the club was, uh, so a lot of people in the club used to stay back during the summer vacation and the winter vacation, just working in the lab and they used to go home for maybe like one or two weeks. I never mm-hmm. did that. I was never at campus for any of the vacations uh, at all, ever. Like none of them. Most people probably were there. I definitely wasn't. I think it was probably not the right thing to do. I think it's a very nice time during summer because I now see it here. Because summer is like the best time to get a lot of work done. There are no distractions. Mm-hmm. There are no classes. Mm-hmm. There are no, no, you don't have any of those things to distract you from the work that you can do. Uh, there are also not many people on campus. It's very, 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 very few people will be there on campus. Uh, very, very few. So good that it's small and you'll be like, wow, this is pretty nice place to be when there are not many people. It kind of is a nice environment to keep working on. But regardless, I think the distraction-free, like not many other things to worry about. I think that's a very great time when you can do a lot of things. Right? Because you get, get, you have like the entire week and just only this to do. You don't really have a lot of distractions. I think that is a pretty cool thing. Uh, the other thing that I wished I had done was probably get advice from the right people. Like when I started off my pre-tech, I used to just think that, you know, uh, so I, I, I don't know, at least the way I was brought up and I was raised is that we always respect elders. We think that they have the right things to say. You know, whatever they say is usually true. You can take it. You can mostly believe it. And when I mm-hmm. got to campus, I kind of followed the same thing. I was listening to what I kind of took some advice from, you know, the second years, maybe a few third years. A uh, lot of the advice was good, but also a lot of the advice was not very good. Like one advice that I still distinctly remember I got was, you know, your GPA doesn't really matter, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, anybody who gets a 7.5 GPA and anybody who gets a 9 GPA is going to get the same job. So why do you want to like, you know, put a lot of effort and get a GPA when it doesn't really mean anything? They were not wrong. That was true. Except that, you know, that's not the entire story. You have a really good GPA that makes you eligible for getting scholarships if you are first a master's or a PhD. And if you have a really good GPA, some companies actually have a minimum cutoff GPA. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be even eligible to attend their interview process. Right? That's a big loss. Yeah. And if nothing, your GPA is going to be for life. You cannot go yeah. back and change it. So why do you right. want to like not get a good GPA? Be the best that you can get. There is still a fine balance also. You don't really need, like, maybe a 9.2 and a 9.4 is probably not very different. It's probably very close. But a 9.2 and a 7.5, that's a big difference. So I think 
that was one of the lessons that I kind of learned a little too late. But then I started making sure I tell other people, you know, I whenever I give advice, that's usually what I say, you know. I'm telling you all this, but go ask other people as well because you may I may be missing something. Right? Because it's important that you ask multiple people and also ask the multiple right people for advice. And if you mm-hmm. ask somebody who's just two years into the program, their perspective is fairly limited from like someone who's been there for like seven years or eight years, right? So the longer you go, the experience that is more important. So I think it's important that you get advice from the right people and not just you know, get random advice from anybody that you want. Yeah. Uh, another cool thing that I wish I had done was actually travel uh, because uh, I don't know, at least right now there are a lot of people who come from different parts of India and they come to Kerala and it's, it's probably a place that not many people have been to. Uh, I think travel is something that's really something that opens your eyes up. You know, it's a changing experience in its own. Uh, you kind of start challenging many of the uh, assumptions that you have about things that you need or things. And that, that you start realizing that, okay, you know, I can still make do with this even if it's not great. Like most people today probably travel in the... Um, third AC compartment in a train or maybe mostly flight, right? Have you tried traveling in a sleeper compartment or even better, have you tried actually going in the general, right? It is pretty challenging. I'm not saying it's not, but travel, you kind of see new places and meet new people. That's a perspective that's really changing. It's nothing like, yeah, I don't know. You just have to do it. I'm going to confess that I have not done it. I wished I had done it. When I started working, it was just impossible for me to travel a lot but i still think that it's a very nice thing that you can do in the club and the fact that we have so many people from so many different places makes it much easier right like if you're from some really far away place you can go during the very small breaks that you have to somebody who's from kerala or from tamil nadu you know see some of those places and when you have like a long break you take all these people who are from here with you to them and you go to wherever you're from in you know the northern part or the northeastern part mm-hmm. you guys go explore that place and i think that's a really nice thing to do and traveling in a group is even more fun trust me as long as you don't cause any racket and don't cause any trouble for anybody <laughs> that's okay but going as a group i think is really fun i think people should really do it of course you can't do it right now but when things start opening up again, I think that's something you should, you should really consider. And now I think there are a lot of other programs as well where you can like like organized tour package kind of thing, but it's not like an actual tour tour. Like you just go see tour yeah. spots and stuff. It's more mm-hmm. of you go see or experience things like uh, camping at high altitudes or you go trekking and things like that. Those are all very interesting, fun things to do. Right? Because the other thing that if you do in travel is that you learn a lot about the culture that's there all over yeah. the country. And I think culture is something that, you know, a lot of people actually don't know much about. Right? And we have just so many diverse kind of practices and stuff. Like, I've never been to uh, West Bengal during the Navaratri time. Right? I've heard it's really, really good. I've Because I know people who have been there, they have said, do you have all these big... Uh, statues of the various goddesses there on the street and everybody can go. It's a celebration really in West Bengal. Similarly, different places have different practices, different cultures, different traditions. 
going and experiencing all of that, I think that's like a real life-changing thing. But to do that, a very important thing that we need to have is an open mind. You, know, you should be open to yeah. any experiences yeah. and able to see various kinds of people with different backgrounds and thought process and stuff. So I kind of got swayed and influenced by them for quite a while. Until I started exploring things that were actually there in the university and the awesome and all the associated projects and everything that happened, that was pretty cool. You, know? you I didn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to believe in all the whole spiritual aspects of things like that, but there are really cool projects involving technology that are done by the university and the, in the dust also by the awesome. Like uh, there is the Amachi Labs. I don't know if people know about it. The Amachi Labs is about uh, using technology f- on how we can probably make things better in villages. Other departments also do it. Like there is Create, which also uses technology for education in areas where schools are not easily accessible. Right? Some of these things, they are all applications of technology to solve real problems that can make a big difference. Right? But if you're not open to seeing what is there, you're not open to seeing the possibilities, you're just going to be closed and shut. That's going to exclude you from experiencing many things. Right? You may not necessarily believe in the mission or anything that's associated with the awesome. I think that's perfectly fine. You don't have to. Right? But if you're not open to the possibility of even exploring it, then you're probably going to miss out on many things. So having an open mind to just experience things, experience new things, I think that's very, very important. Otherwise, you're just going to ever not see anything that's going to challenge your assumptions and your views of what the world is like, I think. Yeah, yeah that's a great point on <clears throat> exploring different cultures. Um, I think um, in addition to sort of having fun and meet, meeting people and exploring that. I think learning different cultures also helps you communicate with people better. Like, because you understand their perspective, where they're coming from. And um, just overall, if by chance, if you like work with them in the company, you know, so you can like collaborate with them in a much better manner because you understand their culture. So yes, I think... But I think it's also about understanding where you come from. Right here, you kind of see that where, what, 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 what is India really, right? Not a lot of people can really yes. put a finger on it and say, oh, you know, this is correct. Yeah, you know, there is there's a lot of things that you can say are very common for different places, which many people should experience. Like I don't know if you've been to uh, Mumbai. Uh, Mumbai Metro is like the like, the local trains, as they call it, is really really popular there. Right? A lot of people use it. It has its yeah. own feel for things and stuff like you can literally travel in the local train and you will find people cutting vegetables in the train mm-hmm. yeah oh, it, really? okay. it, it, it literally because the journey is so long it's like so far away from the city to where they live that they just sit in the train and just cut the vegetables so that they're home and they're ready to cook right wow. no, in, in mumbai they would not blink an eye at it for sure right but just somebody from outside you'll be like you're cutting vegetables in the train really <laughs> Yeah, because trains are not really you know, not the best in terms of hygiene and things like that. Although things are much much better now, but mm-hmm. that's just the way they work. You know? I think that that kind of challenges your assumptions. It's like okay, you know, you can do that also. It's it's 
considered acceptable it just changes your perspective suddenly you say like oh yeah you know this is something that people reasonably do and that makes you more open to trying things that you previously think are wrong or previously oh, think yeah. are not something you should that doesn't mean that you go start you know doing hard drugs or you know doing alcohol and anything, you know that that that's not an excuse that you should used to do that but there are you should still be use discrimination on what you use this as an excuse to try but mm-hmm. some things i think you should just really give it a shot and it just it just happens the same way that if you think about so i don't know if you know i think some of the other viewers might know there's this project called uh, amurta sir which had its origins in um, i want to say 8 years ago when the ashram and the university adopted uh, 101 villages across india started initiating projects there to sort of build up the village and develop them to like they've been neglected that a lot they're not as developed as cities so a lot of projects mm-hmm. now happen in those and a lot of students also go do stuff there that is something i think people in fast club should actually give a shot during like the one month summer two month summer break that you have for like three weeks just go and live in a village and do some work there doesn't have to be anything related to what you study anything like that so like you could go there and you could install an electric motor and then get them or a hydroelectric uh, you can install a hydroelectric motor there that helps them generate electricity some students from the university actually did that uh, some years ago they went and did it in a village near amulpuri so that those are the sign of things there are many villages that lots of things are happening you can just go there and just see what it's like to actually live there it really changes your perspective like i know somebody who uh, who once walked all across india like a few years ago he literally mm-hmm. walked across india going from village to village uh, he had actually come mm-hmm. to amartapuri once to meet ama um, so i i didn't get to talk to him because he was just somebody who was going to meet her and he was going to leave immediately after he came i think after he finished the journey and that's when i saw apparently he had also come before he started uh some of the things that he said which i heard from other people is very interesting he just used to start walking every day right and then when he gets tired he used to be in some village he'll just find somewhere and he'll just go to sleep he'd find some villagers who probably gave him some food or anything of that sort and then he would just sleep somewhere out in the open next day get up start walking again right if we were to start going traveling somewhere right the first thing that we do is probably book a hotel and then we start <laughs> you know planning how we are going to are we going to fly or are we going to take a train or are we going to mm-hmm. drive he didn't care he just went he found somebody who is um, you know he at, at this beginning i think he was a little hesitant he wasn't sure what was going to happen but he just went as he kept going he just started seeing how the villages were and that really changed his perspective on things right so i think that's a kind of a shift that you sometimes need to challenge some of the notions that you have that you are used to that you would find that you can actually survive with much less than what you thought you could to just give an example mm-hmm. i'm I mean, curious you mentioned about uh, someone who just uh, started walking across mm-hmm. india so did they set out with a particular intention in mind or like did they just walk out of their house one day and were like okay let's so uh, i think his goal was to actually see the see what like india is actually about i think his goal so uh, so he he i think was someone who 
uh, is affiliated with some other uh, monastery slash ashram somewhere in India. I'm not entirely sure. I, I would have to look it up. Uh, I think his goal was to sort of learn what the villagers were like. He, he believes that, you know, uh, what actually happens to get a real picture of India. Because mostly we are very from more urban centers where we've seen a more mm-hmm. city-ish or even if it's a tire two city, it's a tire two city life that you would have seen. Uh, but a lot of things still happen in villages. Majority of the villages, are, majority of the work still happens in a lot of these villages. It's a it's a completely different life, I think, and just going and experiencing those. And there are still some of these places that you can see if you go to some parts of Kerala. Many of these people who are not from primary cities or even the tier two cities, you'll find that the life there is really very different. If you're interested, you should read about um, the founder of Zoho. Uh, anybody who's listening also mm-hmm. should check it out. This is a company called Zoho. It was founded in India. It's founded by this person called Sridhar Vembu. He's now, I think, a national advisor for the uh, government of India. Uh, he set up his office in a village. He said, we are going to go do it in a village. We are not going to go to Bangalore or Chennai. They did it They did it in a village some like 100, 150 kilometers from Chennai. Literally in the middle of nowhere where if you walk out of the office, you just see farm. You know, lots of green farms. and mm-hmm. But so was very, very successful. They're a very popular company. And his thing has been like, you know, a lot of the strength is still there in the villages. We can actually leverage many of that. But you don't even have to go into, you know, getting into other way. You just go there and experience what it's like. I think it is a really life-changing experience. I kind of wish I had done it. But of course, when I was studying, this project wasn't even there. It started after I graduated. So now I think students should consider doing it. If Just go for three weeks. You don't have to go more than that. and Just see what happens. Probably will change you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I'd be nice to do that. Yeah, still yeah. giving back to society aspect. Like, even if it's not necessarily like spirituality, like, like even with the COVID nineteen pandemic, we actually made yeah. these bots which make like information accessible, and like the team Ayud actually mm-hmm. has used those bots, mm-hmm. and it's actually been helpful to people. And yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that on the Twitter account. Yeah. Yeah. And even uh, mental health apps, uh, Relive, I believe mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah. Yeah. We they recently, yeah, uh, some of the people in the club were working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've got it to a stage that um, where it can be used. Yeah. So. I'm actually happy that these kind of things are happening because this is not something that was happening when I was there. So I think that's a really good sign that the club is just growing and exploring new things. I think eventually with time, people will also start exploring more things. It's going to be a natural progression. I was just saying it so that, you know, some people start doing it right now because sometimes we just need to kickstart something and then a few years down the line, it just becomes really big and just takes off after that. Yeah. I think also another part, it would be exciting to go to these villages if we ever get like a chance to travel, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's actually something that some students do. So you should definitely consider going somewhere and seeing what life there can be like. It can be pretty surprising. Yeah. Last question that mm-hmm. I'd like to ask Keta was, is there any kind of future advice or um, any advice that you'd like to give to the viewers that are watching, um, primarily students who are currently in this pandemic? So anything that you'd mm-hmm. like to 
um, advice? So one thing that I always keep telling everybody, no matter which, when you start studying, is try to kind of prioritize skills or seeking immediate successes, right? Uh, because I mean, it's not bad chasing achievements; is definitely not a problem. But the thing is that sometimes we tend to get lost in those achievements that we forget why we were doing those in the first place. Like actually, like getting selected for GSOC and completing the GSOC Google Summer of Code project. Uh, for those of you who may be listening who don't know, Google Summer of Code is like a summer internship program kind of thing that Google runs, where they pay you to contribute to an open source software. Uh, it's a great experience. You write a proposal, select an idea, explore a code base that you don't know, talk to mentors over IRC or Slack or uh, Element Chat, whatever is the in communication channel today and write a proposal about what you would like to do uh getting selected for google summer code yeah it's so it's all fantastic but sometimes people forget that that's not essentially the focus of the club it's about building skills as opposed to enriching your resume if you want to say it in some way right because you just you can have a lot of achievements and things like that a small of small small achievements but that may mean that you don't have a lot of good skills. It's important to like stay focused and build a lot of skills. If you start participating in several competitions that are not very related to each other, it's like it's like you're digging to find water, except you start digging, you know, 10 centimeters in one place, and then you go to another place and you start digging another 10 centimeters, and then another 10 centimeters, and so on, as opposed to digging like in one specific place trying to find water, right? So. Try to be focused on, or at least don't lose focus on the fact that you're here to develop your skills. And that's, that's something that I think gets lost sometimes. To use, use Fast Club as an opportunity to like, not just develop skills, but also try to develop as a person, right? Uh, challenge assumptions that you have, try to embrace, uh, failures, throwing yourself out of comfort zones, try to explore things, you know, try to take calculated risks. And sometimes when you're not sure, just say yes to things. And you know, if it seems to be okay, just try giving it a shot. Who knows what would happen? Like I can give a small story for this. So uh Vibin Sir has been telling us for quite a while that we should probably go start talking at conferences because we have been doing a lot of work. And most of us were not very yeah, like we used to speak in the club and we can do all that, but you know, like why should we go speak at a conference? You know, many people, it's just, I think it's some reluctance slash some fear kind of thing. So finally I said, okay, fine, you know, I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to go do it. So I said, yeah, okay, so I'm applying for it. He said, yeah, okay, good, you go apply. I just applied for it. I had no idea if I'd get selected or anything. And finally I did get selected. So that was uh, to force them. I, some of you might have heard of it. It's an open source conference that happens in Belgium every year. So I got selected to speak at Fostum in 2014. So I was like, yeah, okay, let's just go give a talk. So I go there, uh, I give a talk. Um, was, it was kind of a disaster in some ways because as soon as I connected my computer to the projector there, my computer just crashed. Apparently there was some kernel bug which made my computer not work with that project. I was, that was super fun and I had to borrow someone else's computer and set everything up in 10 minutes to start doing it. But the presentation kind of went off fine. Uh, there was also another person who was also from 
sort of a security CTF background who was also attending the conference. I happened to know he was there. So I sent him an email saying, you know, we should probably, yeah, I'm anyway going there. So might as well, why not meet this person? So we met, mm-hmm. we had a chat for maybe like 10 or 20 minutes. Uh, and then we kind of stayed in touch on and off after that, not very regular, I want to say. Uh, and then, you know, five years later after that, I come here to do my PhD and guess who's my advisor? Who's that very same person? I mean, yeah, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, so he joined here yeah. and I know he joined here. So I asked him, hey, are you looking for PhD students? And he's like, yeah, I'm looking for PhD students. You want to come here? Like, yeah, okay. If you're ready to take me, I definitely love to work on you. And then like five months later, I'm here doing a PhD with a person that I randomly met at a conference some four or five years ago. Yeah, sometimes you just say yes to things, it just happens. You just don't really know, right? So you take some risks, sometimes you get out of the comfort zone. Good things like this might happen, who knows? It doesn't necessarily mean that everything is like that, but unless you really take the chance, you won't know whether anything is going to happen. Uh, That's why you need to kind of be ready to deal with failures. It happens in life. You have to have that way to deal with things and deal with circumstances and adapt. And lastly, while you're doing all of this, make sure that you take care of yourself. You're it's something especially during this time in the pandemic, because we are stuck at home most of the time. We're just sitting in front of the computer most of the time. You should take care of your physical health. You should take care of your mental health. Do some exercise. It's something that we kind of neglected kind of early on in the club, but eventually we started doing some of it. People go for doing playing some sports, playing some exercise or something like that uh, once every week. I think it's important that you be regular in doing some kind of an exercise that keeps you healthy physically and also kind of mentally also strong. It can be anything that you like, do any exercise or do you want to learn yoga and meditation? Sure, that's great. You just want to go running, going to go bicycling, you want to do swimming, do whatever you like. Uh, I would advise avoid going to the gym if you can, there's nothing inherently wrong with going to the gym, but try to spend some time in nature doing whatever exercise that you do. I think that's a big change in rejuvenating you rather than stuck inside one room where you're just with other people who are all just exercising and you're just, you know, plugged in listening to some music while you're doing the exercise. Keep all that away and just go do something in nature. I think that's a really great thing if you can do Take care of both of these aspects. A few years down the line, it will probably come back to affect you if you neglect it. That's that's mostly the advice I think I would give to new people who are considering joining. Yeah, I think that's very relevant advice to all of yeah. us, especially with COVID. Like we tend to get carried away with okay, our college work and after that club work, and like we don't really schedule any time for like taking care of our health. Like, so we have to make a conscious effort, like, okay, I'm going to spend this much time outside taking a walk or meditating or something. Yeah. 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 Anything that you're comfortable with, but it's important that you do it every day, if possible, at least every day. Because if you cannot get a break for one day, you'll be like, okay, you know, we'll do it tomorrow and we'll do it tomorrow. And then before you know, the week could have gone by when you didn't do it. And then it's very hard to get back into doing. So discipline helps in that aspect it should really try to stick to doing it every day you might still not be able to do it every day but at least try to make sure that you are at least regular every day and get things done yeah yeah it's great to have a routine i guess 
especially in the pandemic when we're sitting in front of our computers 24/7. Yes. So, it's nice to get up once in a while. It's great advice. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be a guest on our podcast. Um it was honestly really eye-opening to hear about your experiences in the club and uh like how you got started with uh cybersecurity. and also like the skills that you acquired from the club and your experiences with traveling um i'm sure i speak for all of our listeners when i say that it was a pleasure having you as a guest on our podcast we really appreciate it i'm thank you i'm just really happy to be here it's always nice to talk to people reflect back on how things were so that like you said learn from the people who have followed you off the path to see how you can walk that path better right hopefully we can have more episodes like this if that would be useful. yeah definitely definitely yeah right thanks Thank you everyone so much. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we did hosting it. We release our podcasts weekly. So don't forget to tune in next week for our upcoming podcast with our next surprise guest. Happy listening.